everybody. Hi, friends. Well, from wintertime in Salt Lake City, Utah. It's Thank God I'm Atheist. The podcast. I'm Frank Feldman. And I'm Dan Beecher. And coming up on the show today, Dan, we're going to be talking about loss and grief. Yeah. And so, how that's not fun. That's not fun. But it's like real. Oh, it's is it that's when shit is the realest. <laughs> you don't get to be any realer than yeah. uh than when you're grieving uh, a, so, yeah. a loss. So we're adding to the cheer of this holiday season. Yeah. With a talk about um yeah. Something kind of sad. Yeah, and anyway, we'll uh, so so let that be a a trigger warning if you if you need to not think about those things, but we, I think yeah. we'll we'll have a gentle approach. Yeah, of course. All right. Um, well, Dan, mm-hmm. uh, I just referenced this holiday season, uh, and that that phrasing would probably piss some people off. This isn't the holiday season; this is the Christmas season. God damn it! Tell that to a Jew. <laughs> Do you like how I said that? It was really that was really good. I felt like I really dug into it. Well, apparently, Europe has uh, declared war on Christmas. And what? The, and the Pope is having none of it. Oh. Uh, recently he was traveling on his papal plane, um, <laughs> which sounds a lot more exciting than it really is. Are um, you kidding me? I would kill to be on that plane. <laughs> yeah. I would love to be on that plane. Oh, that's gotta be a, a, a weird, <laughs> weird experience. Somebody get me that gig. Do they have nuns as the flight attendants? Like how does this, <laughs> oh, how does this work? You, you went and genderized it. No, it's uh, it's, it's cardinals serving you. <laughs> Your Coca-Cola. I would like a ginger ale, please. You know, many patriot fili at spiritus sancti. Amen. And the snacks are terrible, though. They <laughs> are dry wafers. <laughs> it's a communion the... wafer for your snack. <laughs> you get, a, you do get some wine, you get a little but it's... package and it just has two, two little wafers. <laughs> and uh, there's a snack box you can order. Your, 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 uh, oh. your flight attendant will be coming through the cabin with your host. <laughs> oh no. Uh, don't don't I, in in Europe in 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 the UK don't they call them air hostesses and air hosts? <laughs> anyway, go on. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Tell the story. Anyway, ba- uh, apparently the EU uh, has taken some efforts to um, be a little more inclusive because you know it's a <laughs> multi-nation block of countries, right? Yeah, and that, that have different local cultures, and they also recognize. The, I mean. Most of those places are predominantly Christian, right? But sure. nonetheless, there are other people who reside in Europe, not M- just much to the chagrin <laughs> who, of the of, of come, the Catholic Church. Yeah, exactly. There are there are non-Catholic, mm-hmm, non-Christian people uh, residing in Europe, and so how dare the European Union issue guidelines on lang- in- inclusive language? Uh, that the European Union should be using. Uh, apparently, this was uh, the the this advisory or what whatnot was issued and then retracted after out public outcry. Um, what it included it? some some phrasing like human induced instead of man made. I'm assuming <laughs> that's uh, in reference to maybe climate change. Yeah, or, sure. Or something uh, and uh, also uh, with instructions to avoid reference to Christmas. Uh, during the holiday season. Um, and, Since it's uh, not the only holiday that's being celebrated. That's usually the 
the take on the holiday season. Literally, the way the war on Christmas works is somebody on our side of things goes, hey, let's just make it okay to include everybody. Yeah. And then the Christians go, you hate Christians! (laughs) I know. How did... This is bigotry! Yeah. Well, and the Pope is on board. Oh, my God. Uh, He says, uh, trying to ban such Christmas terms amounted to, quote, a fad, watered down secularism. (laughs) It is something that throughout history has not worked. Uh, In history, many dictatorships have tried to do these things. Oh, it's a dictatorship thing. Uh, Okay. uh Okay. I'm thinking of Napoleon, (laughs) the Nazi dictatorship, (laughs) the communist one. Now let that the communist one. You know that communist which, one. Which one? Which no which, no the one the one. You know Frank the one. You mean the the <laughs> one that the, you dare not mention its name? <laughs> like what the hell? Uh, he said that I do um, like the idea of of Lenin as Voldemort. That's. <laughs> uh, the uh, the Pope said that while he believed the EU was quote necessary, um, <laughs> which sounds. So ridiculous. I mean, it is necessary. I mean, uh, Um, it's a necessary evil. It should not try to erase the different identities of countries within uh, the block. Um, Oh my God. This is, this is what it's infuriating a, that the Pope is on this train because that is some Tucker Carlson bullshit right there. Yeah. Because look, he knows full well, no one is banning the word Christmas. No. Nobody's doing anything remotely like that. They're just saying, look, as a government, exactly. Maybe use the terms holiday season or anything that isn't just specific to one fucking religion so that minority groups are feel like they are and are represented fully acknowledged and represented yeah. by their government. Right. Because the government's job isn't anything to do with religion. Right. Guess whose job that is, Mr. Pope? That's your job. (laughs) You do the Christmas things and let the government do governing. (sighs) You son of a bitch. Well, the uh, Secretary of State of the Vatican, a certain cardinal by the name of Pietro Parolin, um, essentially the, the Secretary of State's like, it's almost a de facto prime minister type sure. position. It's a very high-ranking position at the Vatican. Right. Uh, he condemned any attempt to cancel our roots, the Christian dimension of our Europe, especially with regard to Christian festivals. We know that Europe owes its existence and its identity to many influences, but we certainly cannot forget the one uh, or that one of the main influences, if not the main one, was Christianity itself, the Cardinal. So. Yeah, getting mighty close to fascist talk right there. Isn't that crazy? Getting mighty close to Christian nationalism Nationalism. Uh, yeah. there. But no, the EU is a dictatorship, or at least is can be compared to these other dictators. How do you even put the EU as, like, how do you say line them up <laughs> next <laughs> to Nazism? And, and use those like how does that is that is it's some that wow I I do not like that uh, American pundit influ- influence seems to have gotten all the way to the Vatican. Oh, he's an avid uh, Fox News watcher. Clearly, he must be. Oh my God, <laughs> that's some ugly shit right there. Mm-hmm. 
Ugh. Nobody calls the Pope on any of his bullshit. Mm. I don't know that that's I true. Think people do. I think they do. Well, uh, some of our listeners um, may be familiar with an HBO reality show called We Are Here. Okay. No, I've never seen it. I actually intend to watch it. I've never seen the show. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen it? I have not, no. It is, a, a, apparently, my understanding of the show is it's basically sort of Tu Wong Fu meets Queer Eye oh. uh, in the sense that uh, some drag queens sort of truck around the um, uh, America. Okay, that's what it's called. Okay. I actually almost watched an episode. And then I was like, no. Oh. Because I don't like Queer Eye that much. So something it's, that's based it, on the concept. But it's more Tu Wong Fu y, I think, which okay. is to say drag queens go around the a country, find non drag queens. Kind of, you know, okay. regular. That's hard. That's really hard to do. Joe Schmoes. You yeah, really no. have to travel around where you, the country. Where are you going to find one? I don't even know. But find ones that are willing to don the drag okay. and try it. Just okay. try, you know, a, a little drag performance. Okay. And in the process, they learn about what drag is, why, why uh, drag queens do what they do, uh-huh. if there is such a why. Uh, if there is a reason behind it, a singular reason, uh, right? Exactly. Yeah. There's a there's there's a a plethora of reasons, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then uh, and yeah, and you know maybe the, maybe a little bit of tolerance is gained. Maybe a, a small community has some fun with it. Huh. This is the idea, right? Is my understanding. I have never seen the show. Okay. One such smaller smallish town dude that they got to do this mm-hmm. uh, was a United Methodist uh, pastor. Named Craig Duke, okay, who uh, who decided you know who has a, a a queer daughter. His daughter came out as pansexual recently, and in an in an effort to he's got you know he's a pastor of a, of a purportedly quite liberal congregation. Okay, uh, so he thought you know what, as a gesture of uh, of goodwill toward. The LGBTQ community, and as a way of sort of engendering understanding and fostering mm-hmm. uh, a bit of fun, yeah, uh, decided to go on the show and do a, a drag thing. Right. Well, he's already used to dressing up in costumes and getting up on stage. Exactly. So he's, he's like the perfect candidate. He's halfway there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> actually, you know what? I'll bet pastoring is drag a lot more than people think. Oh yeah. It's perform. It's totally performative. It's totally performative. You're mm-hmm. putting on this persona mm-hmm. that isn't that. Like, come on, that's not really who you are most of the time. Like, right. and and a lot, you know, a lot of times it's backwards drag. It's like gay guys putting on a straight persona, or anywho, <laughs> it's like it's. But it, I mean, it is a kind of. It is. I. You're right. It is. It seems like a natural next step. <laughs> Is what I'm saying. Um, anyway, he did it. He he knew probably that there would be some uh, some backlash. Sure. Uh, he did not expect the backlash that he got. It was oh, no. apparently overwhelming. Really? Now he did get some support as well, but letters and emails pouring in uh, on both sides. But the ones on the negative side. The, the amount of vitriol and the, the level of, of anger and hatred from his very, quote-unquote, open 
congregation even. Oh, this is from the congregation. I wow. mean, from all sorts of all yeah. sorts of places, but also from the congregation. Wow. It was apparently uh w- w- like just beyond anything he would have imagined and he had to step down for a little bit. Oh, wow. Uh back away from the, from the the role of pastor because he just felt like he was it was too much of a distraction he couldn't even do what he was trying to do oh my and then he lost his job <gasps> over a drag performance over a drag performance wow yeah and it's not even something that he's saying he's he's taking up as a hobby he no did it one no time not at all as like a <laughs> impression referred to drag performance as a hobby but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, he's not. Um, it's it's not his new lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. He did it once as a way of sort of reaching across to you know as a way of embracing the LGBTQ commun- community, which purportedly his congregation as a whole doesn't and, really have a problem with, and his denomination apparently doesn't have a problem with. Huh. Uh, it was a it was a form of allyship. Yeah. Uh, everyone seems to have a problem with it. <laughs> it was it was a bridge way too far wow. for all of these people and uh now the guy he uh, the the church is very kindly giving him uh a, a greatly reduced salary for severance salary for a little bit and they'll let him stay at the parish until february uh him and his wife and then hmm. you're out on your ass buddy was it, how was his drag performance i didn't see it but now i really want to go yeah. see it must have been really I'll tell bad. you what though, the picture, he looks great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you got pros doing you up. Sure. Uh yeah. Huh. Well, I hope it was really good. I mean, maybe th- there's probably a book deal in here somewhere, right? Like, oh, I imagine so. I hope so. There, there's there's something. Apparently, uh he he had a very t- a very big pink wig. He did you know, the makeup looks great. Mm-hmm. Uh he apparently did a lip sync to Kesha. Really? Mm. Hmm. Something about Welcome to Church. I guess that's a Kesha song. I don't okay, know. I don't know that song. I don't. Yeah. You and I are not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm We're a not, huge Kesha fan. I mean, I'm surprised <laughs> I've missed it. Yeah, it, it's actually <laughs> shocking that we don't. We didn't both burst out into the into the song. We being the, the probably the biggest Kesha fans, <laughs> at least in Utah. Oh, indeed. Oh, Dan, I've got another Pope story. Oh, the Pope is re- returns. Oh. We're, we're, I, I we're think, getting back on the papal plane. This one, actually, the dateline says, aboard the papal plane. <laughs> I, I knew it. <laughs> it's when he gives his best stuff. He does. He, he opens literally... up. He he's, he's sort of freed of like all like the, the routine. <laughs> the curia isn't there looking over his shoulder. He's not being handled in the same way. Yeah. And he walks to the back of the plane and just gets in front of the, the press and just starts jabbering. Let's it all hang out yeah well this um has to do with some comments that he made about a um a uh, french bishop uh who had to resign uh now that's a pastry right french a french bishop is a... <laughs> a french bishop resignation <laughs> uh perhaps um no uh, he had to resign after having a sort of um little scandal Mm. Uh, some reports came out uh, about a relationship that he had with a with a woman, mm. um, and uh, this um, the bishop. He's he's now about seventy years old, I guess. 
And obviously, there's the cel- old, that old celibacy rule yeah. that, uh, that says that he shouldn't be having any kind of intimate relationship. Um, Can you imagine having a job where, like, the most natural human thing in the world, which is just loving another person, mm. is, like, not okay? Yeah. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> well, nonetheless, uh, the Pope uh, accepted uh, the resignation of Paris... Paris Archbishop uh, Michel Opetit. He was the Archbishop of Paris? Mm-hmm. That is not a small... That is not a... a that is a high-ranking dude. Mm-hmm. That's an important dude. Uh, he accepted the resignation not because he had sinned, but because the gossip about him had left him in a position where he could no longer govern the diocese. What the fuck? <laughs> dude. We're talking, we're talking about France here, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I mean, what, where, it seems to me like there's n- no one could ever be the Bishop of Paris and not have just gossip every which way. <laughs> uh, f- uh, the Pope said that the sin- that sins of the flesh were certainly sen- sins, but not as great as sins such as hatred and pride, and that the Bishop had been the victim of an injustice. Who said the Bishop had been an, a victim of? The- the Pope said that he'd been a victim of injustice. But that's why he... It was a failing against the sixth commandment. You shall not commit adultery. Oh, yeah. But not a total one. It was one of small caresses. A massage <laughs> given to his secretary. <laughs> oh, 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 no, you ruined it. I was just hoping that it was just a nice little affair. But if, he, if he's been... He was sexually harassing his secretary. Uh-huh. Oh, goes, man. That is what the accusation is. There is a sin there, but not the worst kind. So he's focused on oh. only the, the the physical act, not whether it was invited or welcomed. Or... Yeah, he has it exactly backwards. Yeah. Literally, if they had had a consensual affair, mm-hmm. that's not a sin. Yeah. But well, a man in power over a woman who then sexually harasses her... Against her will? Guess what? That's a fucking far worse sin. Worse sin. Mm-hmm. Fucking dicks. Yeah. Um, he says that everyone was a sinner, including himself. Yeah. Uh, blah, the, blah, the, blah. the bishop was condemned, but by whom, he asks? By public opinion, by gossip. He could no longer govern. I accepted the rec- resignation of Opertit, not on the altar of truth, but on the altar of hypocrisy. How does that make any sense? I have, I've wrestled to try to figure this one out from his perspective. I've been yeah. like, I'm like, what are you talking about? What? Why? The sin's not the really big deal. The really big deal is how dare he have been talked about? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think the Pope might be going senile. Yeah. You guys. He's 84 years old now. And, oh, uh, my God. Well, obviously, plenty of 84-year-olds who are not senile yeah. uh not this one the odds are oh my chances god are what, what when the f- these <laughs> pope what are you doing you've been you've you you've you've been cloistered too long you gotta mm. you gotta go uh, gotta meet t- some real people yeah the, the the proof is in like his his footwear like as soon as he stops wearing the simple simple slippers yeah i'm exactly has he yeah. borrowed some some uh some Louis Vuitton from uh, from the other guy. Yeah, is that what happened? Is Benedict still back there? Is he still alive, hanging out in that like 
yeah. nunnery or monastery on as the, far as i know he's got a little apartment somewhere on the vatican grounds i mean i'm guessing he's never there i'm guessing he is just gallivanting <laughs> oh he seems like a gallivanter <laughs> If there ever was one. No, he's probably just he's probably just like holed up in a little room writing angry screeds. That's all he does. All right. Um I'm gonna take us to California. Uh is mm. San Jose area specifically where mm. Campbell Union High School District uh has come under fire. Oh, really? Um, here's the deal. This is this is very look. There is a there are very real problems in our country mm-hmm. to do with systemic racial issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, racism is cooked into the pancake of America. It mm-hmm. is one of the main ingredients, and it is not easy to get out. It mm-hmm. is built into every system that we have. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean, and, and we all kind of participate in it. So, and we just need to come to terms with that. This is not critical race theory. This is just history that I'm talking. Mm, sounds a little bit like critical race theory. Okay, first of all, everybody, <laughs> critical race theory. Critical theory, if you don't if you can't define critical theory, you don't know what critical race theory is. How dare you, Dan? And if you do and if you know what critical race theory is, you know that it's like a law school thing. Right. It's not a thing that's going to be in anybody's elementary school. Or high school. I don't know. It seems to have trickled down somehow. It's made its way in, Dan. <laughs> yeah. But this the study and the question of how racism has been built into systems mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like school districts yes. is important. Absolutely. And it is something that needs to be discussed, uh, regardless of what the the angry, you know, Trumpites say about CRT or whatever. Anyway, uh, the Campbell Union High School District in San Jose had a website that was just sort of resources for uh, for looking at systemic racism. Okay. Uh, it was a bunch of links to a bunch of different things. Okay. One of those links led to a uh, a Google Drive created in 2018 with 45 different documents in it. Okay. So this is how deep we are. One of the links on the page led to a thing with 45 different documents and one of those documents in one of those documents among a bunch of other suggestions was the suggestion this is a document called uh writing prompts writing prompts uh-huh. on police brutality and racist violence okay All right. uh so this is just a creative writing exercise yeah to help you sort of process your feelings yeah about uh, a real problem in these United States, which is the uh, racist uh, propensity toward uh, violence and brutality right. within the police. Uh, that is a thing that is a fact. If you haven't accepted that, do. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, this, so this is just writing prompts. And one of the writing prompts on this document that is one of 45 documents on this that is one of many uh links got it okay said uh it was a writing prompt that said uh uh people that who are no longer with us uh who you want who you wish you could talk to oh no blah 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 it said what it says is hexing people 
is an important way to get out anger and frustration. And it goes on to suggest that you make a list of people that you are angry or frustrated or, or hurt Hexing? About. As in like casting a spell? Kind of, yeah. Okay. And it basically, all it says, basically it says to write a poem to, uh, to hex those people, to curse those people. Okay. It is a creative writing exercise. Right. Um, is it saying that you're supposed to write it about a police officer? If, yes. Okay. If that police officer was, was, was violent or brutal in a way that was unnecessary or, you know, or you could include people like, but that's explicitly what it's saying. Yeah. It says, okay. uh, it says, uh, quote, uh, a list of specific people who have been agents of police terror or global brutality. This list list can be wide ranging from small microaggressions to larger perpetrators, okay. i.e. people who say all lives matter, uh, to the police officers who arrest nonviolent protesters to George Zimmerman. Right. Okay. Got it. Um, so okay. that's what they suggest. And then they suggest that you write a poem cursing them. Okay. So who got fired? Right. <laughs> uh, no, there was, of course, outrage because, of, of course, anything that f smells liberal uh -huh. uh, that a school puts out, because all the right wing media wants in the world is something to be outraged about. That they don't. Oh, they don't want no to to have answers to any problems. They just want to cr to create outrage. Right. Well, so they're, that's, they're good at it. And they're, they're the best at it. So somebody combed through all of this stuff, found that one writing prompt on that one uh, paper and that one link. And what sent it to Tucker Carlson and se and and sent it to uh, Spencer Lindquist, who's. Uh, an intern at the conservative magazine, The Federalist. Oh, yeah, okay. And, of course, they <clears throat> accused the uh, the district of teaching students how to put a curse on those who say all lives matter. <laughs> and, of course, in a world of magical thinking, hexes are demonic, yeah. and they're actually calling forth... Oh, yeah. God. So, obviously, I you know, I'm... I'm probably, I, w I wouldn't doubt that Lindquist himself doesn't give a shit about hexes, doesn't think that there's anything here. Oh, but he knows the connections. But he smells blood in the water. Yeah, exactly. So he, so he draws these lines and is like, ah, oh, see, the liberals are teaching our kids to be Satanists. <sighs> Meanwhile, on the other side of things, uh, witches are like, yeah, that's, we don't fuck with that. Don't, that, you should take that more seriously. We, we definitely don't cast hexes just on microaggressors or whatever like <laughs> everybody's being dumb uh oh golly great yeah. so so on all sides we've got look uh i i'll be pretty clear about this i i don't believe that there are such things as hexes or no. spells you can't you can't cast go ahead and cast a spell on me hex me if you will yeah i uh, i i remain undaunted um that's good dan and I think that uh, I, I think that this is obviously quite silly, uh, but of but course, it's, but it's so silly, but it has like real world consequences. It has some real world consequences, which is that then these uh, these right wing ding dongs can stir up controversy, and you know we're in the middle of another version of the satanic panic. We are in deep into the middle of this thing that ended up being very destructive yeah. to our society back in the 80s, and this is being incredibly destructive now. Oh, it will be more destructive. And it's going to get worse. Yeah. 
So uh, just keep your uh, keep your antennae up yeah. for that, kids, because it's it, it's it's not good. Yeah, the 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 right has learned their lessons, and they will. They've the, learned all the wrong lessons. Yeah. This is this will be bad. All right. Well, I've got another uh, school story, Dan. We're just like we're we got, like themes going we're today. It's amazing. Uh, this one having to do with uh, COVID nineteen and a uh, teacher. Uh, who uh, who submitted a religious exemption um, mm. in order to you know get out of things like being vaccinated right. and what have you? But this took me by surprise. Really? How far he wants this exemption to stretch? Uh, he and his wife, who's also a, a teacher in the school system, yeah, um, have been threatened with um, a wall absent without leave sure uh and or termination for refusing to be tested for covid19 <laughs> their religious exemption should also get them out of being tested it, it look it is my right as a goddamn american to walk around infected or not infected and infecting others as I choose and as I please, and you may not say nothing to me about it. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, that's actually the next paragraph. I, <laughs> I, I was reading that from the uh, from the article. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this ding dong, uh, his name is uh, Paul Murphy. Uh, he has a master's degree in intelligence studies um, <laughs> from American Military University. <laughs> So okay. intelligence. Okay. I know. I had the but same reaction. But it's still reaction. fun. It's still fun. <laughs> American Military University. Yes. Um, okay. So he's 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 into espionage and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And it also makes him obviously an expert on like vaccines. Oh yeah. And uh, you have testing he, techniques such as PCR tests. You have, he, you have 10 years of virology to get that, that intelligence degree. Oh, absolutely. It's a huge part of, yeah. uh, the, you gotta the be degree. an epidemiologist to, just to get your foot in the door. <laughs> uh, he, apparently he provided the governor's office, the attorney general's office. Uh, I'm assuming that's the state attorney general, uh, and the Commonwealth healthcare corp, um, and some legislators the findings of a research he conducted regarding <laughs> polymerase chain reaction or PCR tests for COVID-19. And he just, he found that they're just flawed, <laughs> right? I done me a research. Mm -hmm. uh, it was on the YouTubes yep. and the internet. And uh, I found out it ain't, it ain't right. Yeah. The, 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 there's a, there are paragraphs uh, discussing what it is that he thinks he found we don't need to get into that no what, all we need to know is that he has no competency whatsoever to be conducting a, a research a research on pcr tests and their accuracy and their positive false positivity rates yeah, yeah. and so forth and so on he has no fucking background in it and the fact i just People's inability to identify where their competencies are and where they're and where they are not makes me crazy. Yeah. It, like people who think that because they're an expert in one field that they are therefore learned and, and, and broadly 
experts on anything that comes their way. I got right. me an associate's degree. I'm a fucking man of letters is what I am. <laughs> right. I mean, that's basically where, where people are coming from. Yeah. With this, like, you know, do your, what's their, what's the QAnon's thing? Do your research. Yeah. Or, yeah. They always do, say that. Yeah. <laughs> do your own research. Do your own research. Guess what? You're not qualified to do your own research. You're literally not. You do not know how to do your own research on this fact. Clearly they do not. Because all they do is, I mean, with QAnon is they go and watch like videos that yeah. have been produced by other followers yeah. of QAnon. And, and j just so that you know, uh, dear listener, Frank and I are also not qualified to do research on this stuff. It's not like no. we're saying we're not pointing fingers at anyone. Yeah. You have to be qualified to do this kind of research. Right. So unless you are a virologist or an epidemiologist or mm -hmm. someone in a related field with a degree of expertise in yeah. that field. Right. Just believe those guys. Yeah. Those are the people you just believe and you don't get to do any research and you just have to believe them. Exactly. Like we, we, ex we live in a time where you, your skill set for finding good information needs to be knowing where to go for good information. Knowing where the experts are. Exactly. Yeah. Because nobody can keep it all up in their head. No. Nobody can, nobody can have all of the knowledge. This is not some bygone time where you, literally all the learning in the world existed in like three books. And also, <laughs> so like, not for nothing, but like that epidemiologist who's an expert in, uh, in, in virology and all that stuff, that person has to yield to the expertise of climate scientists. Well, that person is not qualified to speak about another field that they are not an expert in. My guess is the intricacies of PCR tests, <laughs> a standard virologist probably isn't going to be fully up on all of that, right? Yeah. Or an epidemiologist. They're going to have a lot of knowledge about how the things work, but somebody who actually... But you know, the, they're going to yield to the to the to the four or five people, people with who PhDs who've studied and developed this technology. Right. Right. Okay. <laughs> and also, like, it's amazing. I was actually going to have my PhD husband, who <laughs> works very closely to this stuff, explain to me what was wrong with what he says right. is wrong with it. Right. And then I was like, no, that's actually not the point here. Yeah. It's not. This is not a tit for tat rebuttal of his lunacy right. and his lack of understanding it's simply he is not a trustworthy voice yeah period even if he were right don't take his word for it right you just go to the people who uh, yeah okay 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 <laughs> i am calm serenity now here we go uh i'm gonna close this off with uh with, with, by proving every now and then franklin you and i get uh, accused of picking only on uh, Christians. We do. I have seen this accusation leveled once or twice. We only dislike Christians. Yeah. Uh, oh, I think we hold our punches for certain groups is the... Something like that. Yeah, okay. why, why don't I see you picking on these blah, 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 blah. Uh, and part of it is just because, uh, as Uncle Mark on the How to Heretic uh, has said, get sculpt with the clay you've got. Yeah, I mean, if you have la a lack of familiarity with other groups. Well, and also, you know, uh, the problem child in our country mm -hmm. is Christianity. Sure. Our country is like 70 plus percent Christian, yeah. and they're the ones who are the problem. And they're a big problem worldwide. Yeah. 
as soon as Islam becomes a problem in this country, every time, which it will, which it it has done is and will, uh, look, we, I think we are on the record firmly as being, as saying all religions are problem. Like as long as religion is a thing that is practiced by humans. Yes. It's a fucking problem. Yeah. Every single time, no exceptions. Right. If you think that Buddhists are are beyond reproach, tell that to the Rohingya, right. etc. Exactly. All right. Cool. So, what do you got? I got a. I. I. I've, I, I. You know, you and I have picked on, uh, what's his name, Green, uh, the 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 Hobby Lobby guy. Oh yeah. Who, who literally bought, just thousands, hundreds of thousands of stolen artifacts from the Middle East for his Bible museum and for his own personal collection. Yeah. A lot of which was very clearly stolen. Right. And a lot of which was fake. Right. Because the man was not checking the provenance of any of this stuff. Well, yeah. And like as soon as people caught wind that there's this guy spending millions of dollars. Yeah. You're going to find, you're going to find. Yeah. Oh, for him. Look what popped up. <laughs> That, that looks like a, co- a soda can, ah! But uh, it's a but it's written in cuneiform, and therefore no. Well, it turns out that uh, Christian assholes are not the only assholes who do this shit. Oh, really? Uh, Included so uh, this week, fine finally wraps up a uh, a long term investigation by a grand jury uh, into one Michael Steinhardt who is a Jewish billionaire okay, and a philanthropist, mm-hmm. but also a guy who literally bought at least $70 million worth of stolen antiquities. Great. $70 million? Yeah. Wow. Um, he has agreed to surrender that 70 I mean, I'm sure he's... I'm sure it's way more than $70 million worth. That's what they know about. That's what they know about. That's what they're insisting on him giving back. He will face no penalty for any of this, which is some bullshit. What? Other than, like, he's out the 70 mil that yeah, he spent. Yeah, that's a drop in the bucket. It is a drop this. in the bucket for this guy. But, uh, you know, at least it, the theory is it's going to be going back to uh, the places that it should that's be good. going back to. But, that's yeah. Good. Does, and he, he doesn't get any little uh, plaques that say donated by. <laughs> no, not for this stuff. <laughs> Though, I mean, this is the kind of guy, this is a guy who has an entire school at NYU named after him, I oh, think. Wow. And he okay. has, I, I think he's got like a wing of the Met is named after him. Oh, wow. Like, okay. And he he's also. wants some little paltry little plaque on a yeah, antiquity. Right? Yeah, exactly. This was all, I think, for his personal collection. He just wanted to own it, which is already a dick move just in and of itself yeah Hmm. uh the manhattan district attorney cyrus vance uh had this to say quote for decades michael steinhardt displayed a rapacious appetite for plundered artifacts without concern for the legality of his actions the legitimacy of the pieces he bought and sold or the grievous cultural damage he wrought across the globe wow well I mean, he wanted it. He did. He had the money, right? Uh, you know what? Can can we talk a little bit? Yeah. I mean, billionaires are just... You shouldn't They're be, the worst. You shouldn't be allowed to be a billionaire. Yeah. There shouldn't be... They shouldn't exist in the universe. It is a, it is a, a crime against nature yeah. and humanity. At risk 
of alienating our billionaire listenership. If you're a billionaire, which... contact us and we'll have a dialogue. <laughs> you can, we we will abandon this position for the right number. <laughs> there is a dollar the, amount. There... There's a dollar amount by which for which we will abandon our position. We'll, we'll be very nice to billionaires in the future. <laughs> but until that point, <laughs> fuck billionaires. Absolutely. And here's how we know billionaires are bad. Mm -hmm. uh, Donald Trump. He's a billionaire. He is a billion, theoretically a billionaire. And look at his hair. <laughs> okay. And I then, hate billionaire. That's all you have to say. And then look at this guy's hair, which from your distance, you'll think that's just a bald guy. Uh-oh. But there's a tiny, tiny bit of comb over happening there. I'm more concerned about that mustache to be honest. Oh yeah. The mustache is not great. Like how do you have that much hair on your upper lip and then so little on your top of your head? But when you have that little on the top of your head, you literally, you can't even see until you zoom in that there is a comb over attempt happening. Why are you that? Why, why, why are you Michael Steinhardt? Why are you, <sighs> you know, you kind of just hold on to it. Don't you? Right? Like it's hard to accept. Listen, I am I am nothing but uh, 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 I have nothing but compassion for male pattern baldness. I am experiencing it myself. Yeah, that looks ridiculous, and and it just proves how shitty billionaires are <laughs> that he doesn't understand. I say, Dan, that no it, one around him will just be like, dude, just shave it off. Just it's you don't need give that. it ten years. You're gonna have a little wisp going over the top of your head. <laughs> I mean, why do you comb forward a little bit? Why not? <laughs> We're not making this about me, Frank. <laughs> We're not doing that. Frank. Any, I, I'm just listen, saying. If any of you would like to write in and scold Frank for his treatment of his podcast partner, <laughs> you can feel free to do that. The address is podcast at thankgodimatheist.com. Or if you'd like to side with me in calling out Dan. How dare you? <laughs> I, I look good. I am assured by multiple people, including my own mother, that I am a very handsome boy. <laughs> uh, you can call and leave us a voicemail message. The telephone number is 424-666-8442. Stick around. We've got some uh, correspondence coming right up. Well, Frank, uh, do you know who David Barton is? Mm, the name sounds familiar. David Barton is the, uh, he's a, a pseudo historian. He is the <laughs> darling historian of the crazy oh. Christian right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he is a guy who has written multiple books, completely rewriting uh, American history. Mm -hmm. Starting with uh, our so-called founding fathers, and what they really believed and what they really meant when they wrote what they believed. Uh, mm. He just, he just blatantly lies. He's he, like, he, there's no, no technique or no context. Uh, no, I mean, it's not as he's not a trained historian. When it, I, don't, he is, I don't know his training. He's not very good at it. He is definitely a non-respected, like non-respected right. historian in in the in history circles. He what he's doing is just revisionist history, right? Um, so lots of picking and choosing, <clears throat> and and lots of just outright fabrication. Oh wow! Okay. Um, maybe not of facts, but of uh, 
intention and intention and, and stuff. And, he yeah. just doesn't back any his shit up. He just okay. makes bold, brash claims, uh, and and then moves along. Uh, so it, this here's the thing. There's walking a line, there, which is to say, you know, there's there's the there's the thing that you could do where you can you know you can reinterpret history to match up with your viewpoint, mm. uh, but you but you stay you stay somewhat in the realm of reality, mm. and then there's falling off the cliff mm. into the void, and I this guy must be spiraling something fierce, okay, because because uh, this is what he had to say. The greatest people killer of all has been government. Nothing has killed more people than government has killed. And so when you look at that, the Founding Fathers believed that the people should be able to have enough arms in place to be able to remind their government, you don't want to mess with us. You don't want to come after us. Well, if all we've got is pea shooters and they've got 50 caliber machine guns, that's not, that's not the point of the First Amendment. Because they point out consistently, Patrick Henry and George Mason and others, that the greatest threat to your loss of guns will come from government, not from criminals or others. And so they were very adamant that you'd be able to have that, which is why we see in Boston, they didn't care if you have a cannon. You can have a cannon, but please don't shoot it in town or within a mile of town. It's just so loud. I mean, it wasn't the, the fact of having a cannon. It was just, it's a little loud just to be shooting off just for fun. So in, in the same way, you know, I don't want to see my, my, my neighbor stockpile nuclear bombs. Yeah, I don't want to see it, but I don't care if he has one because he should have he should have the same rights. But you're saying, well, I don't think private citizens should have nuclear weapons. But if you've been trained with responsibility and morality and the concept of when and where you use them, the founding fathers are trained extensively and the concept of defensive warfare. You don't start anything. Now, if somebody else starts it, you can take it on, but you don't start it. I don't care if my neighbor has a nuclear weapon as long as he has that defensive concept that he will never use that unless it's being used against him. I mean, it makes sense, right? First like, of all, uh, I, I, don't, I think he is very wrong about his interpretation of the First Amendment. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Thanks for pointing that out. Which, uh, uh, which, which, yeah, doesn't say anything at all about arms at all. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. it's about religion and, and, and speech. But... He is talking about the Second Amendment, which, I, look, when your interpretation of a document somehow manages to get you to the point where you think it's okay for private citizens to have a nuclear arsenal. Unbelievable. I, because, at because, what point do you realize you've spun out of control? Right, because clearly uh, the guns and weapons <laughs> that are already out there amongst the people are always only ever used by responsible right you know owners yeah. who who only use them defensively right like this they 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 understand the concept of defensive warfare <laughs> your next door neighbor does. every single person who's ever held a gun <laughs> understands this concept there's it's never gone wrong mm -mm. there's never been a problem yeah, I don't see what why people can't get it through their thick skulls. Yeah, that everyone who touches a gun is responsible. Yeah, no, I mean, like seriously though, like if he actually got his way with this, which of course it's, it's fucking ludicrous. But let's just say there are just nuclear weapons out in the world. Yeah, um, every third American just gets a nuke. Bye bye school shootings. Hello school nukings. Right. I mean, it's just like. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, it 
the, what the, a lunatic. The, the, like, big, a, the big unhinged. problem with, with guns is that everyone knows you can't trust people to do anything safe or good. <laughs> to like you can trust most of the people mm -hmm. not to be insane mm -hmm. and not and not to be idiotic mm -hmm. you most people you can trust to do that the laws are not there for them right the laws exist to protect us from the nutballs yeah of which you know when in a country of 300 million you're gonna have a few it doesn't matter what the how small the percentage is. Oh, ding. You're going to have a bunch. My God. But, yeah. I don't care if he... <laughs> like, what the... I mean, fuck? I don't want to see it, but I don't care if he's got it. I mean, you might as well go see it. I, I'll, bet I, I, if I, you're, I'll bet if your neighbor is a Muslim, you care. Mm, you liar. Yeah, that's probably true. I'll bet if your neighbor is named Muhammad... Uh, suddenly you want him not to have a nuke is yeah. my guess. Yeah. But see, clearly Muhammad has a nuclear weapon for nefarious purposes. It's not defensive. Right. Clearly. Right. He hasn't been brought up in the right moral, uh, setting, the right moral lessons about the use of, you Let know, me tell you nuclear something. Weapons. A guy named Muhammad in the United States is on a defensive footing mm. you're like these are the guys who would provoke him into actually doing the attack because yeah. guess what you don't treat him very good yeah. david barton yeah all right well we had some folks uh correspond with us so yes. I, uh, I i wanted to to get to that um i am very excited i'm extremely excited to learn that we have a listener from a specific sect, uh, who, or rather, who was raised in a specific sect. Okay. Do you remember, Frank, when we, you and I, went to Independence, Missouri? Yes. Now, our LDS listeners and beyond will know that Independence, Missouri, was one of the stops along the way for the Mormons, right? As a group, right? In the early days, and Independence kind of became this central point where it was supposed to be. A big deal that was like where mormonism was going to stop it was where it was going to be oh yeah well yes like and then joseph smith made some crazy declarations about stuff in the area yeah exactly like, In including the end of days was going to happen there it's the also of eden was nearby the beginning of days was there <laughs> literally he said the garden of eden was in missouri you guys uh the other thing about independence is that uh so there was another thing you'll recall where Joseph Smith said that this was the plot of land upon which God would build his great temple. Uh -huh. Now, across the street from that is where the reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints built their temple. Yes. They're now called the Community of Christ. Right. Across the street from that, like, there's one intersection where it's like the the Community of Christ temple, then there's a... Brighamite, our Mormon, the mainstream Mormon ch church has a has a visitor center where they uh -huh. deny everything. Right. Uh, uh, by the way, the Community of Christ people deny a lot of shit too. Like, <laughs> you can't get these people to agree on a history. Right. <laughs> Joseph Smith, they did totally deny that he was a polygamist and blah blah blah. And then across the street from that, there's another thing. Anyway, what's well, the Church of Christ Temple lot? 
okay group so i will read uh i will read yes there's there's a lot that joseph smith said the lord would build his temple on yeah. that one small breakaway sect got hold of legally and their entire sect seems to be based on just owning that lot okay bill writes I grew up in an early, early offshoot of the Joseph Smith tree, the Church of Christ Temple Lot. Really? We have a Temple Lot listener. I love that. Really? I'm so excited about that. Wow. We we recorded a video on that lot. Yes, we did. Uh, Anyway, uh, the church that that bought the land that Joseph Smith set aside in independence for his temple and then squatted on it. While the Mormons and RLDS got tired of losing lawsuits to take it away from them. <laughs> all the churches, uh, all the churches would be familiar to you. No religious iconography, not even a cross. Don't applaud after, uh, for special music, laying on of hands, no hymn above the speed of a dirge, blah, blah, blah. It's all there, <laughs> which yes, that does describe our uh-huh. church growing up as well. Yeah. Uh, and then he quotes you, Frank saying, okay. Uh, people mistake, this is from last week, people mistake expertise in one area as broadly knowledgeable, which we again have ranted about this week. Yes, okay. Uh, uh, He goes on to say, my mother-in-law, bless her heart, was a fan of Ben Carson. She had nothing but complimentary things to say about him. When I pointed out some of his weird-ass beliefs, pyramids storing grain as the most famous example, she insisted... (laughs) That he was a very, he was very smart, but he was a, quote, specific kind of smart. To which I replied, a specific kind of smart suggests a generalized kind of stupid. (laughs) Brilliant. By the way, last week. That's amazing. Ben Carson came to my mind, but I couldn't think of his name. So I was going to bring him up. So I'm glad somebody brought him up. (laughs) Uh, Her response apparently was impolite, but they got over it. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. I, I am so excited that we have a Temple Lot listener. That's I, amazing. That's th- a- you guys need to understand, if you go to Independence, Missouri, within like a five-block radius, there are so seven or eight dudes. different yeah. Mormon offshoot religions. It's nutso. Yeah. I kind of love it. It is kind of an amazing area Yeah, for just, yeah, for that. Oh, Anyway. Goodness. Um, we we also have uh, a a little bit of audio from a listener. Let's uh, let's hear what she had to say. Happy winter. This is Alina from Fort Worth, Texas, where it is eighty degrees today. I'm a little jealous of your cold winter. Um, I want to respond to your recent call for how we other atheists celebrate Christmas. I still enjoy the gift giving and the being in the attitude of spending time together, but uh, obviously without the religious aspects. First of all, it gives me pleasure to know that the Christmas tree is a pagan thing. And, you know, so many of the Christmas traditions come from non-Christian traditions. So I always revel in that. And I usually try to get my friends together to celebrate Festivus. Now, I know it's still considered a you know, I guess a religious holiday to some, but to me, it's just a great way to the airing of the complaints and the the Festivus poll and the feats of strength. And you can watch an episode of Seinfeld and everybody can play their favorite anti-Christmas movie. And we watch Nightmare Before Christmas. I think it's a great way to still get together and enjoy the season. Everybody brings some food that is not Christmas related and just make fun of it all. Well, there you go. Uh, 
The Festivus thing is amazing. Uh, I love that a, a sitcom wrote an idea for something silly. And people are still having Festivus And people are parties. still enjoying it because there are some like delightful little things that go along with it. <laughs> uh, beware the airing of grievances, by the way. That oh. can go... Could go the wrong. Right. Could, it could yeah, go. Could it could go slaunch ways if you're not uh, very careful about <laughs> it. But yeah, that's that's great. And I I also do love the embracing of the of of the all of the Christmas. Basically, everything about Christmas, other than the Jesus bit, is uh, is just pagan fun stuff. So yeah, have a tree if you want to have a tree. Why hang, not? Hang some garland. Get some holly and some mistletoe. Have yeah, just have some fun with the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Put plants in your house. It does. It's just for fun. It's just. It's... Also, fucking celebrate Jesus. I don't care. It, I mean, it. it I you like probably put out a nativity if you want to. I mean, you could. There's some cute ones. It's uh, none of it's real. Right. The pagan stuff's not based on. You know, there's pagan magic traditions. That's not real. Right. There's Jesus magic traditions. That's not real. Yeah. Have some fun with it. Yeah. With all the, the fake phony stuff. Yeah, do whatever you need to do. Uh, I believe we have some folks to thank. We do indeed, Dan. We have two new patrons okay. this week. Uh, we have a new teacher by the name of Chalky Ads. Okay, right. wonderful. One, that's great, thank you. And we have a new priest by the name of Linda. Oh, Linda. I do, I, I've do. i said it many times, but I love it when we can bestow priesthood upon women. It, it, mm, it is a, nice. It's our lovely little subversion. And now you, both of you, lovely people, have the magic powers that we are fit to bestow. Mm. So literally every bit of magic that we can make you have, you now have. And it's the same level of magic that uh, the Mormons give. Yes, exactly. Teenagers. The same, exact same level of magic that, <laughs> that Mormons can bestow, that we also can bestow. Uh, and what these kind folk did, if you'd like to join them, uh, they went to thankgodimatheist.com and clicked on the support tab. Yeah. And yeah, it's just an ongoing uh, way to support the show, keep us up and running. Look, the um, show is free. Yeah. Uh, if you can, and it's ad-free, and it's ad-free. Well. We've 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 eliminated advertisements. Uh, so this is the only way that we uh, that we get to keep going is if you guys give us your money. Um, but the other nice thing that you could do is uh, find places like iTunes to give us five stars. Oh yeah, that's a lovely thing to do. Absolutely. And listen, guys, if you are in an atheist group on Facebook, if you have, if you go to atheist. Uh, sun, you know, Sunday school, the, 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 what do they call it? The atheist, one of the atheist sort of meetup groups or yeah. whatever. Share us with them. Absolutely. If you would, if you like the show, if you think we're worthy of listening, please, uh, tell some other folks about it. That has a huge impact for us. It does. We really appreciate that. And as always, Dan, we have our top donor to thank our Lord and Savior, Demonium. Thanks, guys. There's more show coming right up. Well, Frank. Dan. We, uh, we, we, we trigger warned. We did trigger warn. At the beginning of the show. Uh, yeah. Because you have recently suffered a loss. Yeah. I mean, I've suffered this loss, too, but it's not as, it doesn't hit me as hard as it hits you. Which is to say... Oh. Yeah, I see what you're saying. No, um, 
two weeks ago, uh, we had to put my dog down. Yeah. Um, little Milo. Little Milo, who was uh, had turned into quite the little sweetheart. Yeah. Over the years. Wasn't so when we first got him. <laughs> I mean, he was always nice to me. He was always nice to you. He didn't so much like toddlers. No. Um. No. Or strangers. <laughs> or... People he was, with... he was prone uh, back in the day. He was prone to take nips, like good, solid, uh, uh, um, blood, <laughs> bleeding causing nips. Oh my goodness! He actually broke skin a, a couple Yikes. of times. Um, but anyway, uh, he grew out of that with this is a, a lot of socialization and um, and and love and care, love and care and whatnot. This anyway, is, we're talking a sweet... about a tiny little, a tiny little Chihuahua. He was a Chihuahua Italian Greyhound mix. Yeah. Um, had him for eight years. Very cute guy. Uh, he wound up getting bone marrow cancer mm. and we decided that we didn't want to put him through the kind of treatment. The The vet actually said he probably, he, he was like, I wouldn't anesthetize him at this point. And he would have to be to be properly tested for what we th- pretty sure he has. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, it was, it was really sad, but anyway, it brought up the, the topic of loss and grief and, um, and you know, like a pet is a remarkably like important, emotionally important thing in so many of our lives. You, right? you literally and have a family member. Yeah. Uh, that, that is someone that you, that, yeah. That that becomes a, an emotional support yeah. to you. That becomes a very important part. Yeah, and then it can. Some people don't attach to pets this yeah. way, but well, but and I and plenty I, of people do. I honestly uh, didn't think that I had. Oh, interest to that level, right? right. And uh, as we were, you know, taking him to the vet and trying to figure out what was wrong with him, and um, and the news started to you know, become much more clear that, uh, we didn't have a lot of time left with him. Like I, it put me into a really rough place. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was really hard to, to face that and to like, I thought we had, you know, a few years left with him for, at a minimum. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, so the vet, the last time we took him in offered to put him down right then and there. Um, because he felt that it had progressed to that point. And, yeah. And I wasn't at all ready for that. And this was right before Thanksgiving. Right. And he was like, well, and this was Tuesday. And he says, well, and it was at the end of the day. It was like one of the last appointments of the day. He's like, we're closing and we're not opening till Monday because of the holiday. So if this goes the wrong way, if, which when it does, when he starts to slip, it's going to go really fast and it's, it's, it's not going to be nice. It's going right? to be, yeah, it's going to be kind of ugly. Yeah. And, uh, and we were like, uh, we still can't <laughs> right. let go. We're not, we're, this is, this, we're not ready. Right. And, uh, and, but we went, we scheduled to have a, a, a different vet. Um, there was a service that they'll come to your home and, and do the euthanasia at home. So right. we, we opted to have just a couple more days with them and then, and then put him down. And, um, and those days were hell. Yeah. Like it was, it was wonderful. And in retrospect, I'm so glad that we had that time because he was still himself and he's still, well, he wasn't fully himself, but he was, he didn't seem to be suffering. Right. Right. And, uh, 
and we had Thanksgiving. And so there was family and people who loved him. And, um, he kind of got to have a little day. And then, uh, on Friday morning we put him down and it, and it's just been, and it's brought, it's been rough and it's brought up a lot of, a lot of issues. And I just kind of wanted to talk about grief and, you know, and, and mourning and, and in the context of, you know, we don't, we don't rely on some sort of idea of like doggy heaven, no. which everybody is so ready to talk to you about. Oh, really? Oh my God. Everywhere. Oh my God. The, from the, the, the pamphlet essentially that like the vet left, ah! which wasn't like overtly religious. It wasn't like Jesus, you know, Jesus loves your dog type of stuff. <laughs> Right. But it was still like there was some poem. Like I actually just threw the thing away because it was like it was upsetting to me, yeah. actually, because it was talking about um what was all this like emotionally manipulative stuff that some people probably respond to. I don't yeah. know. Um, but like paw prints going off forever and <laughs> oh. like all this like crazy stuff. Yeah. And, and then like uh uh, last night, a friend who is not religious uh, gave me a children's book that he he meant this to be funny, and it actually is, but um, gave me a children's book that his sister, who's religious, gave to him after mm. he lost a dog. And it's like all dogs, it's kind of like an all dogs go to heaven type children's book. Right. And it like talks about like what dogs do in heaven and that God loves dogs and God, and all dogs love little children, which I loved because famously Milo did not <laughs> love little children. We know for a fact that this is just a lie. <laughs> but nonetheless, here's this children's book that somebody has bothered to write about, you know, glossing over your feelings. You shouldn't feel bad, right? Mm. You shouldn't you shouldn't be sad. Your dog has moved on to a new place. Yeah. A better place. He's with God. He's playing with all of these children in heaven. To which I, of course, asked, where do these children in heaven come from? The, what's her name? Cindy Jacobs? Oh, oh. The oh. pink-haired lady, not Cindy Yeah, yeah, Jacobs. yeah. They she, come from abortions. These are all the aborted kids. <laughs> playing with dogs in heaven. Cat Kerr, that's the name Cat you were Kerr, looking for. thank you. Um, and nonetheless, um, I don't know. I think you always have good perspective on like grief and, and whatnot, because I, some interesting things like really sprung, like there was the question of, well, what do you want to do with the remains? Yeah. And there's like a list of options, uh, all of which get more expensive. Mm. And the one where you actually get your dog's ashes back is of course the expensive one. <laughs> expensive. It's oh. a few hundred dollars. Right. Right. And, um, even though the other ones are like, it's a mass cremation and the ashes are, are spread on a, on a ranch in Montana. (laughs) Right. That's literally what the second option was. It goes to live in a, in a, in a field upstate (laughs) on a farm upstate. Yeah. And it's just like, but my, but I was like, no, I must have his ashes. I must have that back and it really made me ask this question of like why do i need to like hold on to this get a box back that has ashes in it right because milo's not there milo's no no he's gone yeah i you know it's so it's so interesting 
and you and I are actually going to be talking about uh, grief and dying mm. at, at a conference at our at our friend Terry Daniels' conference on death, grief, and uh, belief. Yeah. Uh, this summer. Yeah. I. That's that's a little plug for you, Terry. There you go. <laughs> I think that here's the thing. Real, there there's two sides to this coin uh -huh. uh, for those of us who are raised religious. A. Um, we were taught our whole lives that the religious answers are the only good answers right. for uh, for dying and, and grief and dealing with uh, grief. Mm -hmm. um, but they're wrong. The religious answers are patently wrong. Mm -hmm. They're they're absurd on their on their face. Mm -hmm. uh, and the comfort that you get from them, the quote unquote comfort, turns out to be actually cold comfort. Uh, mm -hmm. It's not actually. It's actually a way of just prolonging. Or, or, or postponing your grief mm -hmm. or pushing it away from you mm -hmm. rather than a way of embracing the feelings that you have right mm -hmm. now. Yeah. And that's unhealthy. Yeah. Like the fact of the matter is you need to deal with the feelings that you're having. Yes. It doesn't matter. Let's just assume that all of the, all of the claims of Christianity are true and that, uh, you know, if it's a dog, if it's a person, whatever, you're going to see them again mm -hmm. in the next life. It's not true, but let's assume that that is true. Mm -hmm. It doesn't help you right now. Yeah, exactly. You're still going to be without this person or dog or loved one uh -huh. forever in this life. Right. And the longer you push that away, the harder you push that, uh, that fact away, uh, the, the more off balance you're putting yourself. Mm -hmm. Because you have to sit in your grief. You have to do the yeah. grieving and yeah. grieving is work mm -hmm. and it sucks and it, it, it's pain mm -hmm. and you just have to have it. Yeah. The only way out is through. Yeah. And it, and it, and if you push it away, it will, it will come out not through your will, but against your will in ways that will be destructive. Mm -hmm. yeah. So your options are to deal with it in a in a constructive way mm -hmm. that is painful but still productive mm -hmm. or to be destroyed or, or 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 to be hurt by it yeah. in pieces and in, in fits and starts and that's what that's what religious do, religion does to you is it puts you into the fits and starts place mm -hmm. you don't it it like i have been to mormon funerals the mormon thing is don't grieve because you're going to see them again yeah, it's kind of a... And if you grieve, then you're denying that you're going to... The, the joy of what... Of, of, you know, them graduating to this yeah. better existence. It's kind of bad form to cry at a Mormon funeral. Yeah. It's... I actually went to a Mormon funeral where a, a, a higher up, a stake president, that's, a, that's basically an archbishop in Mormonism, uh, said... Literally had to explicitly give permission. It's okay to mourn and grieve. It's okay to cry here. At a fucking funeral, <laughs> because the Mormons won't. They think they're not supposed to. Yeah, because it's it's like it's like you're rejecting. Yeah, the the, the, the narrative. You, the, yeah, it's poison. It's yeah. poison. Now, on the flip side of that, one thing that that religion has done correctly, one thing that is that we can steal from religion, religion and do better, is ritual. Or is mm -hmm. honoring your feelings by creating something, uh, by 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 externalizing it in some way. Mm -hmm. 
and I think that's where receive you know getting back the 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 ashes of mm -hmm. Milo comes in. Yeah, you are you have got these feelings. We need to process it somehow. It's not just a you know it, that's a beautiful way of doing that is to is to develop your own ritual around mm -hmm. it. Yeah, and if that ritual is to have that little box and to know what it means to you. Yeah. And every now and then you touch it as you go by or every now and then you stop and you just sort of know, notice that it's there mm -hmm. and honor that it's there mm -hmm. and that it meant something to you. Mm -hmm. That's huge. Yeah. That That is one of these ways that we can process the grief and move on. And, you know, it, yeah. it, it if you're processing, you know, if your ritual is, you know, something to do with pouring ashes somewhere or yeah. going to a place that you and your loved one shared and having a moment there like ritual can be really helpful mm. and that's something that we can learn from religion religion they, they like they honor the idea of ritual they get that ritual can be useful it's not for everybody but for many people ritual as a as a concept can be useful but they have a prescribed ritual right. that's supposed to work for everybody well, guess what? That's not how it works. Right. So we have this wonderful freedom to create our own our own ritual, our own ideas mm -hmm. around it, and to figure out what works for me, mm -hmm. and especially me in relation to the person or the thing that I have lost. Mm. That's nice. And I love that. Hmm. So, yeah. There you are. Yeah. You know, you what you what you did in paying the extra money and getting Milo's ashes back. Yeah. Is honored your feelings. Well, yeah. And that was the thing. It was it was so in the moment so important to me. Yeah. The other options were just shit. And other other people might be like, "I love the idea of his his, his ashes, his remains being out on a ranch with somewhere. a bunch of other dogs with remains. a bunch of yeah. Great. And that's a place where a bunch of where this happens all the time. Ashes are driven up from Salt Lake City and dispersed onto this ranch. And there's right? th and there's something here's the other thing. There's no wrong answers. Right. That's the great thing. That yeah. is the other freedom that we have yeah. having left religion is that there aren't wrong answers. There's your answer. Yeah. And his answer may be different from your answer. Yeah. And her answer. And you know, as long as nobody's like trying to force their answer on other people. Yeah. And as long as everyone's creating good space for everyone to grieve in the way that they need to grieve, yeah. then we're doing it right. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's weird because, you know, like you hear about people, you know, people say, oh, I lost my dog. It's always really sad, right? And you're always, oh, I'm so sorry, yeah. right? But I also kind of know that like, like when you say that you lost a parent or a sibling or your best friend or whatever, right? To, to somebody who didn't know that person, right? right? Um they can immediately empathize and, mm. and they get it. Mm. And, and, but when it's your pet, I, I just, it's a different thing and it, it feels a little different and it feels like something that, that you keep a little closer. Right. Yeah. I mean, not because everybody like, understands that loss in the same way. Exactly. And it's like, I just like, it's just been a very interesting process because I'm glad that we had the couple days to kind of get ready mm. um, and to say goodbye. And we didn't leave him alone. 
Like he was never, he wasn't alone in any of that, that remaining time. We right. Didn't, we didn't both go to the grocery store. We didn't both go and we just spent time with, with little Milo because I mean like being alone was a little stressful for him anyway. Yeah. Um, I mean to a certain extent, but anyway, I just didn't want any negatives. I just wanted hangout time and we got that and it, and it was good even though I was stressed out and really worried about him. Um, but it also feels like it's hard to, the thing that I've been struggling with, I guess, is finding the permission to be as profoundly sad as I am. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it's a little dog, right? Like it's, ugh. and that's the thing. I, I, I think that, that we all need to open our hearts up to the, to the notion that it doesn't matter what the thing is. Mm. It matters what the relationship was. Mm. If so, you know, I, I lost, you know, I've lost a goldfish in my life and didn't care <laughs> at right. all. Right. But someone else might really deeply connect to their goldfish, yeah. might have a, a an important uh, connection there. Yeah. And the fact is, we all have differing experiences. Yeah. I, you know what you what you've brought up is a really interesting thing. Why isn't one of the questions of our society? There should be a very, it should be a very common question when someone says, "I lost X," to say, "Oh, you know." Help me understand how deeply meaningful that was to you. Yeah. Or help me understand the depth of that for you. Yeah. Because I want to be there for you in the way that you need me. Right. You know what I mean? Well, I think, it's not mean. Right. And if the person says, I lost my cat and I don't care. Okay. <laughs> it was a little bastard. That's fine. You yeah. didn't connect to, you know, you had a pet. Right. Uh, they, you know, they fulfilled whatever function they fulfilled in yeah. your life. And and I'm not going to judge you for that. Right. But if it was if it was a, an insanely important moment for you, I'm going to be here for that. Yeah. And let's and and you know, let's just let everyone have the degree of of depth of feeling that mm. they have. Yeah. It doesn't have to be big and it doesn't have to be small. It can be whatever it is and we'll just honor it. Yeah. So I give you permission to grieve. <laughs> I know you needed it from me specifically. I know that that was well, what you were looking you, for. Dan. No, I mean, that's, yeah. That's... But no, out there in the world, kids, when you're out there. Yeah. Help, find ways, find, because it is, a, it is an act of compassion yeah. to just find ways to give that permission. Yeah. Rather than be like, get over it. It was just a dog. Right. Or, or, any, any, or, or anything, anything along that scale. Right. Well, and I mean, you don't need to nothing. control their feelings. You can just let them have whatever the feelings yeah. are. And there's all sorts of things that can make you sad and can yeah. disrupt your life and and uh, be be difficult. Hell, know, if someone's fucking Lego collection is destroyed, mm -hmm. I don't know what a fuck time. I don't know what that yeah. meant to that person. Yeah. I'll just let them deal with you know them have the feelings, and yeah. I'll just be there for them. Right. Friends, I'm sure a lot of you have a lot of thoughts about uh, grieving uh, post-religion. Mm -hmm. Please send yeah. them into us. Like, really, we would love to hear it. Uh, pod, the, the address is podcast at thankgodimatheist.com. Or call and tell us about it. We'd love to hear your voice, and we'd love to hear your story. 
Uh, the telephone number is 424-666-8442. Yeah. Uh, listen, go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Atheist. Click the like button. It's the right thing to do. If you'd like to join one of our members-only lounges, they're great. Great places for support and to talk about what you need to talk about. Um, ThankGodImAtheist.com slash members only is the way to get there. Yes, indeed. Uh, listen, thanks so much to the Red Rock Hot Club for the use of their beautiful music. And thanks to Gordon Johnston for the use of his music. And thanks to all of you friends for tuning in. We sure do appreciate you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.